Kia ora koutou, I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to Insight. This week, the rub between private land and access to the great outdoors. Agriculture is one of New Zealand's largest industries and it takes up a lot of space. A recent industry commissioned report found the amount of land used for sheep and beef farms alone outnumbers conservation land. Access advocacy groups say the desire to explore New Zealand is growing, but they fear when it comes to private farmland, increasing visitor numbers could prompt more farmers to lock their gates. Maya Bari visited high country stations in the South Island to hear the thoughts of farmers, as well as those fighting to keep the farm gate open. And maybe we'll just take a little stroll if that's right. It's run in conjunction with the Department of Conservation, basically, so the Belmore Station and Department of Conservation jointly welcome people yep. onto it. So it's quite a, a prominent viewpoint up the top. It's got good views and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's valued by the community quite a lot. I'm in Tikapul, walking the Mount John track on Balmoral Station with landowner and high country farmer Andrew Simpson. An area known for snow-capped mountain ranges, golden grasslands and turquoise lakes, the South Island's Mackenzie District attracts visitors from all over the world. Word has spread that some of the best views in the district can be seen from the top of Mount John, and that means a visit to Tikapo is now likely to include a walk through Andrew Simpson's farm along this very track. Mr Simpson says it's getting more and more busy. Oh, it's grown a lot. There's um, used to be a few hundred people walk it, and now there's um, tens of thousands. I'd, I'd imagine up to 100,000 walk it every year now. The maintenance of the tracks is a, a huge problem now because uh, starting, we've put in the budget this year to about 30,000 to upgrade the walkway. We believe that we need to keep the maintenance up, and it's something that... Uh, Whilst we don't want to do it, I think that we have to do it. And there's also a toileting issue on the track that we may have to put in a a toilet somewhere at some stage. Andrew Simpson has been farming sheep and beef at the 10,000 hectare Balmoral Station for more than 20 years. The property at the west end of Lake Tikapo hugs the edge of the waterfront and stretches inland through rolling tussock country. Crisscrossing through it are public roads and private walking and cycling trails, which Mr Simpson allows open access to. The track up Mount John was established well before Mr Simpson's family arrived, but he says due to its heightened popularity, farming on the mountain has had to change. We can't um, farm it the way we originally started to. We were lambing ewes on this block. People come and they bring the lambs back to you, uh, even though the mums have just stored them away for a day and they'll go away and have a, a feed and when they come back some helpful tourist has picked the lamb up and carted it home for us. So, so we've stopped lambing on this block now, which in effect costs us quite a bit of money. And when did you stop doing it? About ten years ago, yeah. yeah it was just becoming so problematic. Mapping data held by Land Information New Zealand shows there are at least 25,000 tracks across New Zealand, ranging from 20 metre long paths right through to multi-day tramps. The Department of Conservation was unable to say how many of its tracks cross through private land, such as the Mount John walkway. Andrew Simpson believes farmers have a role to play when it comes to providing access to the outdoors 
even when that comes with challenges. It's not whether you're happy or not, it's part of uh, being part of a community and we've just got to be seen to be um, a responsible community person really. We enjoy people um, uh, enjoying it, uh, it's part of why we farm here I suppose, it's a beautiful part of New Zealand and there's no reason why other people can't enjoy that as well. And do you think you want to see this area maintained as a, a walkway? Well it's going to be uh, and that's our intention is to continue the open access until it becomes too problematic I suppose and then we'll have to reassess it. Can you see that happening or? No I can't but uh, there's got to be a way that um, the farmers get compensated for uh, providing these sort of opportunities to the public whether it's through a a consenting uh, process where they um, allow you to get consents for other parts of development on your property, I don't know. So, yeah. A report released last month by Professor David Norton from the University of Canterbury School of Forestry lists sheep and beef farms like Andrew Simpson's as the most extensive land use in New Zealand, accounting for 40% of the total land area. Combine that with dairy farming and Professor Norton says together they take up half of New Zealand's land. Public conservation land is the second most extensive land use, sitting at 31%. The issue of access through farmland reared its head last month when the Walking Access Commission sought an easement on a rugged 40-kilometre road that winds through the Hunter Valley Station, a high country property in the Queenstown Lakes District owned by former American television personality Matt Lauer. The Commission says vehicle access on the road is important as it's the sole route to the Hawea Conservation Park. Matt Lauer told RNZ's Checkpoint with John Campbell he doesn't want an easement as they wouldn't have control of who was on the property. The thing that's the most frustrating about it is we have never denied people access who have gone through the correct procedure and called the station and said they were prepared to be on that road and properly equipped, we kept a log of all the people who called. And I think out of more than 100 people who requested access, only three or maybe four were denied, and that was because of farming operations. The issue of control of access isn't limited to Matt Lauer's high-profile case. The Clutha River flows for 338 kilometres from Lake Wanaka in the Southern Alps to the Pacific Ocean. Oh, there's a big fish sitting there. See these white areas there? See that up through there? Yeah. That's trout spawning. There was a big fish sitting right there. Should have bought your rod. (laughs) Always come back. Cliff Halford knows this river well. He's worked as a fishing game officer in Otago for more than 30 years. He says many things have changed in those three decades, including some attitudes towards access. Yes, I've seen some major changes, really. You know, the, you know, the Clutha uh, corridor was generally just um, sheep farming uh, and, and the likes. There was always really good public access uh, through landowners down to the river. Uh, there's been a massive land change, uh, intensification of farming, and, and a lot of um, you know, other development uh, along the waterway as well. And, um, you know, when farmlands have been broken up into smaller lot, um, you know, just as new, new people have come to the area, um, you know, different perspectives on, on life and, and what they want to do with their land. So, yeah, there's certainly a lot of access that's been lost. Why is it important that we do, I guess, maintain access to the outdoors? 
oh, it's just New Zealand's heritage. Um, you know, it's our culture, really. Uh, let's be honest. I mean, it's, we've got a wonderful resource here. And, and uh, when you've got certainly big rivers like the Clutha, for instance, um, if you can't get access to them, um, life's not the same. Mr Halford has taken me to a once popular, privately owned four-wheel drive track just off the main highway in the Queensbury area. The road has recently been closed by a new landowner. The gate is locked and the sign on the fence makes it clear. Entrance onto the property is by permission of the landowner and trespassers are prosecuted. And it's a shame, really, because it was a great access. Right through the, the basin here, there was, um, you know, open-ended access uh, back in the early days, certainly through the 70s, the 80s and beyond. Um, and just over time, you know, land ownership has, has changed and a lot of those access points have been closed up. Mr Halford doesn't want to name the property owner because the local advocacy group, the Clutha Fisheries Trust, is trying to negotiate some sort of access agreement with them. He says while NGOs work hard to maintain access to the outdoors, added pressures from a growing population mean the government needs to step up its role. Growth is the biggest factor. Um, growing, um, you know, the, the rural um, environment is becoming more urbanised. Um, give this area another 20 or 30 years and, um, you know, we could be looking at houses along the edge of the river here, for instance. So you, while they've been, uh, you know considerable growth, um, you know, that, that's going to continue. Um, and it's areas uh, you know, along river margins that need to be safeguarded, they need to be saved, they need to be protected, um, but also, you know, the public have the right to enjoy them. And what role do you think the government has to play in maintaining access for the public? Oh, it plays a major role. I mean, let's be honest, I mean... Um, you know, central government, um, you know, they need to set the rules and the boundaries and respect that they're representing the public in New Zealand. And the public in New Zealand have a, have a right to the outdoors, they have a right to waterways in New Zealand and to recreate um, on those waterways. We're just out looking at some um, stud shorthorn heifers that have just started calving. I think we've got four on the ground so far and... Um, they'll be all due in the next couple of weeks, I would say, to, by the look of them. It's a busy time of year for Simon Williamson, a high country farmer on Glenbrook Station, just south of Twizel. It's calving time, and some births are more straightforward than others. She's not really uncomfortable yet. I'll give her, I'll check her again later on, and we'll see what happens in the morning. As well as staying on top of things on the farm, Mr Williamson is Federated Farmers' High Country spokesperson and advocates for farmers' right to control access through their land. We're, we're there to protect property rights and access is obviously a huge part of property rights, especially in the high country because you just can't have people walking willy-nilly through your operation. And, and explain why. Well, there's a numerous reasons. A, one is for their own safety. Um, B, you're trying to run a... Uh, a farming operation and amongst it um, and at certain times of the year it doesn't suit to have people walking through you using lambs and, and cows carving and bits and pieces but but more so it, it's more people's own safety um, you know the climate changes quickly in the high country um, you get heavy rains in the Alps rivers come up creeks come up people get stuck in there they drive into places they shouldn't and although everyone goes in there with the right intentions the only person that actually ends up um, you know, the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff is the farmer because he's 50 miles away from the closest town or garage. He's the only one with the tractor, the, the knowledge, the gear to get it out, and so he gets called on.
A 2015 Colmar Brunton poll commissioned by the Walking Access Commission found 64% of respondents said they would feel nervous about asking private landowners for access to their land. However, of those who had asked, 92% said they had been granted access. Mr Williamson says those who believe the public should be allowed to roam wherever they want through private farmland are uninformed. For hundreds of years, people have worked on the basis that if you ring up and ask permission, very seldom will you ever get told you can't go somewhere unless there's a very good reason, someone's lambing or, or, or likewise. But also they know where you are, They, if you're overdue, they know where to find you, both sides of it. But just in the last probably 10 to 15 years, there seems to be a groundswell of people saying that they don't need to have access, they should have the right to walk everywhere. Um, and I think it's very, it's uninformed. Um, I don't know what backing that they think they have to do that. And, and where do you think that shift in mentality ha- has come from? I think I blame some of it on on some of these NGOs, um, you know, telling people what their rights are and telling people that they should have access here and shouldn't have access there and um, where the paper roads and they're free to walk here and free to walk there and quite often a paper road's not practical to go on and that's why you know the landowners are the, are the practical people to to decide where people can go at the, at the, without putting themselves at risk. I'm Maya Burry and you're listening to an insight exploring public access to farmland and the pressures created by increasing visitor numbers. No. A North Canterbury station manager, Jim Greenslade, is shifting pregnant ewes on the lake station, a 5,000 hectare sheep and beef farm which has five lakes on the property, Lake Taylor, Lake Mason, Lake Shepherd, Loch Katrine and the most well-known being Lake Sumner. The majority of the land is leased from the Crown but about 1,700 hectares is freehold. Mr Greenslade says at the head of the Huranui River they have an easement, allowing part of the Lake Sumner National Park walkway to run through the property. He says while they are happy to let walkers and cyclists through, it would be dangerous to allow public access by vehicle around the river. Mr Greenslade says there are locked gates on the property and there's a good reason for that. We've got a locked gate up at the head of Lake Katrine and it's locked uh, 12 months of the year for vehicle access been locked for a very long time. In the early days of my, my predecessor, he, in the early days it was open and it became unmanageable and unrealistic to have um, uh, people up there in, in vehicles. So the gate was then locked and it's been locked for a long, I couldn't tell you how long, but for a long period of time. Um, and look, it gets pulled down from time to time too and the fences get cut and we just keep putting them up again. And we'll just continue to keep putting them up and they'll keep continue to knock them down. <laughs> and why do you think people do that? Uh, because I think they're annoyed that they can't go up there and they feel it's their right to go up there. In actual fact, it's not. Our property rights are just the same as theirs. They're no different. Um, and that's what people need to realise, you know, in the high country. Over, apart from the health and safety issues that are, that are obviously there, which need to be recognised... Um, people don't have the right to roam on other people's property and it's as simple as that and uh, as I just said to you my property rights are no different to anyone else living in Cashel Street or, or wherever you like to call it This is just a general health and safety 
Um, so Mr Greenslade does allow controlled access through the farm for those wanting to fish at Lake Shepherd on the condition they call ahead and ask and sign in at the farm office. He says while most people respect that this is private property, a small minority don't. It was only just um, two months ago we had a horse shot on, on our property up uh, above the lake. The vet took some shrapnel out of it. So, you know, when things like that happen, it, it, it concerns you and, and it, it makes you feel like shutting the gate. But, but we don't. So, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not making a big issue out of it because it, it shouldn't be a big issue. But it, it's becoming a big issue in the media lately and um, people need to be aware of just what farmers have to deal with at different times. And, and it doesn't happen all the time, but, you know, there's, um, there are isolated cases where you feel as though, you know, this is not acceptable. In 2016, a photo of cattle from the station wading in Lake Taylor was released to the media. While Mr Greenslade didn't want to talk about the matter, he says the farm is very focused on being environmentally friendly. He says it has gone through a considerable expense to fence off stock from lakes, a legal requirement and something they were happy to do. I asked Mr Greenslade whether he thought allowing public access through the farm opened the landholder up to scrutiny. I guess you could say that. We do think twice about people coming up the river and seeing cattle some cattle in the river and obviously you, you know there's a photo on the in the paper the next day and instead of ringing me and say look do you know you've got two cattle on the river you know I mean we don't have to have the cattle out of the river and in, 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 at the moment we we don't have to fence our rivers off up here because we're an extensive op- farming operation but there is that if you want to combine this conversation with access uh, I guess you could say that that is an element that we think about. Parts of the lakes station are surrounded by conservation land, including a camping site at Lake Taylor. Jim Greenslade says it's frustrating to see people damaging the area by leaving human waste where they please. There's a lot of uh, activity around Lake Taylor especially, and Lake Lake Katrina have got good facilities. Taylor, Taylor has got facilities, but there's a lot of camping that goes on around these lakes where there's a lot of human waste. There's more and more people coming up here now, and, um, you know, um, we drink out of, out of the lake. It's our water supply. It's a, it, it, it's a government thing. It's a government problem, isn't it? You know, the government have got a, you know, whilst we've got one set of toilets up here in the camping ground, we need two or three more and, uh, to, to meet the demand. A report released earlier this year by the Walking Access Commission identified a lack of appropriate infrastructure to go along with tracks and trails as a constant problem. The Commission's acting chief executive, Rick Cullinane, says the pressures on access are the consequence of growing numbers of domestic and international visitors. There's a pretty small percentage of of people that that don't behave according to the rules and where the, the overall numbers are small that's manageable. When uh, the overall numbers get higher, that proportion of people do do cause problems. Large numbers of people also require more uh, suitable infrastructure from car parks to toilet signage, information, and information on how to behave and when to go and when not to go and, and, and what to do. And so would you say that these pressures are prompting some farmers to withdraw access? Well, we're beginning to see that. We're beginning to see um, not so much withdraw access, 
but it becomes uh, an important consideration for them. But continued access to the high country is very important to him. From the Commission's point of view, uh, we have huge uh, respect uh, for private landowners or managers or lessees of um, pastoral leases that, that permit access and indeed support it. And in many cases, uh, at, at no direct benefit to themselves, and, and, and this is done as a, a gesture of goodwill or a, or, or a willingness to share uh, access to some quite astonishing country. And at some stage, um, we're going to have to look at finding ways of um, managing large numbers that are going to work for everybody. There are high country farms that have found new ways of making access work for them. On Four Peaks Station, a high country farm owned by Joe and Steve McAtamini, 6,000 ewes are being shorn. But sheep, beef and deer farming isn't their only source of income. The snow in the mountains will soon start to melt and in November, when the weather is warm enough, Joe and Steve will reopen their private four-day walking track through the 4,000 hectare station. OK, so this is the inside of one of the cabins. This one was built back in the 1800s, so that's why it's got this high ceiling. Yeah. And so this was here long before you guys... It was, but we, we did it up. We've replaced all the insides. Joe McAtamini says each year about 200 people walk the 50-kilometre track, which they established in 2006 at a time when land prices were low and farming was tough. The cost of the walk is $435 for four nights, including accommodation and packed transport from hut to hut. Joe and Steve say people seem happy to pay for the premium experience. People have said to us that they like to know that they're going to get a bed. You know, it's guaranteed. So they're happy to pay for that and know that they're, they're going to be looked after. Great. It's a bit more personal touch with this sort of a walk. Transporting their gear is, is a bit of a cost for us. So, like, we have to charge to do it. Otherwise, you know, there's no point in doing it. Yeah, so it would be closed off if we weren't um, able to transport the packs each day. That is how we make a small margin on the on the stuff and the rest is just accommodations. It's just in the middle of the mountains instead of in fairly or Auckland. Other farmers are seeing the benefits of allowing access for tourism too. About 2,000 vehicles roll through the Cadrona Valley each day as they travel between Wanaka and Queenstown. Traffic starts picking up at about 6 o'clock each morning, acting as an alarm for Tui's Gully farmers Sarah and Willie Skur, whose homestead is just a stone's throw away. Stay here. Trump, Jill. Ah, oh, Trump! 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 I've got to ask where the name Trump came from. Well, he doesn't shut up. <laughs> This 5,000 hectare station runs more than 8,000 sheep, but the Skurs have diversified their operation by allowing a horse trekking and quad biking business to also use the property. Mr Skur says it's an arrangement which suits them well. It's, it's a good wee income that we wouldn't get otherwise. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's quite sizeable now, so yeah. it's quite nice that we do get outside income because living in our area with our rates and 
land prices and everything like that, you can't survive alone just on, on, on farming income. The Skurs farm backs onto the Mount Paisa Conservation Park and there's an easement allowing a Department of Conservation walking track to go through the property. Mr Skur says the track is becoming busier as more people visit the district. He says they've recently started locking a gate near the start of the walkway so people can't take vehicles through the farm without permission. Something we've just started um, so we can control it a little bit better because people were sort of getting having access and, and even so more so for dock staff too. They thought they could drive through so it's locked and then they've got to ring me so they can get through. And why is it important to you that you are able to have some sort of, I guess, control over who's who's driving through the farm? Well, with having a horse trekking and quad biking business using the property, we need to be able to know who's around for our health and safety perspectives. And when we're out there mustering and that sort of thing too, you know, it's sort of, we don't want the wrong person coming up in the wrong time and, you know, with, with a dog that shouldn't be there, etc. Which they shouldn't have a dog there anyway, but... We just need to have some control. And that sense of needing to know who is on the farm and where they are is often driven by worries over keeping everyone safe. WorkSafe says it has never taken legal action against a farm for failing to keep someone safe while they were accessing the property for leisure or tourism reasons. But its agricultural program manager, Al McCone, says farmers do have health and safety obligations where they allow recreational access. If you are letting people come onto your property, you need to be able to warn them of the things that they wouldn't expect from the workplace. Some farmers will say, I need to know where people are on my property. I want to know who's here and I want to know when they come on and when they leave. Sign in, sign out is a great way of controlling that. Other farmers will say, actually, you know, there's a sort of, everyone knows they can go across this paddock to get to the swimming hole or the fishing hole. And I'll let them do that, and if something happens in that paddock, uh, I'll put a sign up to say, hey, guys, don't come in this week because we just sprayed, or, you know, don't come in this week because there's a whole lot of work going on in this paddock or there's a stroppy bull. You know, it's that sort of thing that you need to do. You just need to be able to communicate what the risk is and how that might affect the people that are coming onto your property. And that's whether there's actual consent or whether there's implied consent. Back on Andrew Simpson's farm on Balmoral Station, a group of tourists on the Mount John walkway are looking for directions. How's it Hello, going? how are you? You guys having a good walk? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice, but we thought we would go up to the to these uh, observatory. Yeah, can go right round. You but, can? Yeah, yeah. The level of access to private farming land is always going to vary, depending on the location, conditions and the owner. But for Andrew Simpson, the future of Balmoral Station, with its stunning views of Lake Tekapo, is always likely to be one where tourism and farming are very much intertwined. Tour guide, farmer, (laughs) (laughs) jack of all trades. That programme was written and presented by Maya Bari. If you'd like to discover some great listening, you can head to our page at rnz.co.nz forward slash insight, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, Teresa Cowie explores whether mobile phones should be banned in schools. I'm Philippa Tolley, and that's all from Insight for today. Lovely to have you with us, and join us again next week.